Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. All right, friends, I'm glad you're here today. We are starting this new series called Chasing Daylight, and I'm actually really excited uh, just to be going on this journey over the next few weeks with you as we delve into a topic where I'm just going to get to it right off the bat where these questions when we say, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? When you're in the midst of a chasing daylight moment, where you find yourself in a set of circumstances where there's nothing you can do to change it. In this place where you're just begging literally that the sun would come up. I don't know if you've ever been at a place like that. Maybe you're here today and you're in that place. Maybe you know someone Uh, who's in that season of life right now. Six weeks ago, I walked in those doors back there on a Friday morning after I'd had probably one of the longest nights of my life where I couldn't get my mind to shut off, where I kept constantly asking God, is this lament? Is this just teaching more about how I am not control? Um, Is this suffering? Are you angry at me? And I walked in that door. I couldn't get my mind to shut down. I'd been crying all night saying, God, where are you right now? I cannot wait for the sun to come up. And uh, I met Jesse back there. He walked over and gave me a hug. And I told him, I was like, I I just can't get my mind to shut off. And uh, I don't know what's going on. Like, where is God in this moment? And uh, the craziest or the grossest thing to me in that moment was I told him, I said, hey, so Pastor Ken's going to be gone in Uganda uh, for a handful of weeks. And we're going to do this four-week series. And he had told me, hey, go ahead and talk about whatever's on your heart. And I told Jesse, I was like, The grossest part of this whole thing right now is I literally feel like God's saying, you need to go and talk about this uh, in a couple weeks. And I was like, and it's making me more angry because I don't want to. I don't want to talk about these chasing daylight moments with people. I need tools myself right now. I'm suffering. I'm going through that. And so that's really where this conversation came from. When we sit here and go, you know, there's problems that you can solve, but sometimes we find these seasons in life where these problems just seem unsolvable. There's tensions we can resolve, but sometimes these tensions seem unresolvable. At some point in your life, in my life, or some time point in, in someone else's life that you know that is close to you in your sphere of influence, many of us find ourselves in a set of circumstances, or we're going to find ourselves in a set of circumstances, in a season of life. When it just is what it is, and it just is what it is. How many of you guys have ever used or used that term? Just is what it is. I'm just sitting there. I had these hopes. I had these dreams. God said this is what it's going to look like. This is what I thought it was going to play out to be. And it's not. I'm in this chasing daylight moment. How did I get here? It just is what it is, and I see no way out. And there's no way to change these circumstances. For many of us. It'll be things like relationally, maybe a marriage. You had these plans in those first couple years, what they look like, and now it's further on down the road, and he doesn't want to get a divorce, and you don't want to get a divorce, but neither of you wants to change, and it just is what it is. It's not the way you thought you'd see it play out. It's not what you had dreamed it would be, but it just is what it is. For some of us, it's your kids. It's not the way that you thought it would be. It's not the way you thought they would grow up. You remember you told them in the ninth grade, these grades matter, these grades matter, these grades matter. And halfway through their 12th grade year, they finally said, oh man, these grades matter. And and you're realizing, uh, yeah, they counted and now 
It just is what it is, and the ideas and the thoughts that I had for you, your options just aren't going to be what I thought they were going to be for you. And they got friends, and you're like, oh my gosh, how did you get those friends? The next thing you know, they're engaged, and then they're married, and you're like, oh wow, I have that person in my life the rest of my life. This isn't the plan that I had. I have in-laws I have to hang out with all the time, and uh, thanks. (laughs) nervous laughter for a whole bunch of you. (laughs) It just is what it is. It wasn't maybe the plan for you. For some of us, it's financial. Your financial dreams, you had these dreams and these ideas of what it was going to look like or professionally, and they just haven't come true. That's just not the norm that you thought it would be. And maybe you were in this workplace where um, something was said about you, you made a bad decision and you got pushed out. And now you're in this place where you can't even get back into the same industry. And you're sitting there asking yourself, God, I thought this was who and what you made me to be, and I can't even get into it. Is this really the plan that you had for me? I'm in this chasing daylight season. My dreams aren't coming true. It just is the way that it is. It's permanent. This is the new normal. It's not going to be if I just waited out a few minutes or a few days or a few years. For some of you, it's a health issue. You may not die from whatever it is they told you that you have, but it's chronic. It's debilitating. It was unexpected, and now you're doing it. That's where you live at. It's where you see life from. It just is what it is. It's become your new normal. For some of us, it's academic, the plans that we had. For some of us, it's family, the plans we had for our family, the children we were going to have, or the grandparents they were supposed to be, or the children that we thought we were going to have. We just talked about a little bit in that song that we just um, sang together. For some of us, our chasing daylight moment is loss. Someone that we weren't prepared to, or it's not time, this isn't what this was supposed to look like. Could have, I should have, what if, how, and why. For you, I don't know what it is. But for all of us, as we come into this place, we can just feel like we're literally chasing daylight. And I don't know if you've lived in that space. I remember about 13 years ago, uh, went camping every year. Jesse and I go camping. We had a buddy who was camping with us, and we were like in a rough it. We went up into the woods. We set up our tent. We didn't bring anything to sleep on. We're like, well, we'll just sleep on the ground. We'll figure it out. The most miserable night of our life. We were so cold. It was so miserable. And we literally were looking at it, begging for the sun to come up to start a new day. And in the same way, some of us are living in seasons right now or know someone who's living in a season or have lived in a season that we're like, how do I even have tools? I am chasing daylight. God, will you just send the sun so this can start over? I can feel some sort of warmth or some kind of life in this dark part of my soul right now in this season of my life. And you know people or you're here today, you're not looking for solutions because again, you feel like the situation that you're in isn't necessarily resolvable and there's no solution for it and there's options, but sometimes you feel like those options at times can just make things worse. So we ask ourselves, so what are we going to do? Are we going to run? We can run, but we don't want to run. You can abandon your family, but you don't want to abandon your family. You can can abandon your kids or quit on your kids, but you don't want to quit on your kids. You can just quit and give up. You don't want to quit and give up. You can drink yourself into oblivion, but that's just temporary and usually just causes more problems. Then there's this whole like eternal battle that we have going on that comes in all of us that at some point we begin to get jealous of other people. 
Or in the situation where you're like, ah, oh, this is not what my life was supposed to look like, or that's not what the season was supposed to be looked like. What's going on? And we start looking at everybody else, and I've literally had conversations where they're like, Larry, I feel like I'm living someone else's life right now, and those people over there with their wrinkle-free family and their special life, that was supposed to be my life. That was the plan that I had, and it's not happening. And I feel like I can't go back. I feel like I can't fix it. I, can't, I feel like I can't reconcile it. And this has just become the new normal. And you want to know, for a lot of us in these like chasing daylight seasons, the really frustrating thing, and if you're Christians, you meet other Christians that say really silly things to us in the midst of those moments. <laughs> You've met one of those people where they're like, oh, man, I got to tell you, wow, I had a really difficult day the other day. Let me tell you, you're like, yeah, okay, tell me. I lost my keys. Oh, man. And I just prayed to Jesus, Jesus, help me find my keys. I can't find my keys. I was under so much stress. And then all of a sudden, my husband came home. He came early. He's so special. He's so wonderful. And then he found the keys jingling in the door. I just left it. Praise God, my keys were in the door. <laughs> Isn't Jesus wonderful? And you're like, I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> and no, I don't want to be in your community group. Because you wouldn't know a problem if it was staring you in the face. You lost your keys. Shut up. <laughs> so what do we do when there's nothing you can do? And everything around you is a constant reminder of the things that you don't have. Because it just is what it is. And that's just what it is. In these seasons, we begin to tell ourselves some of these lies. There's three lies. I'll never be happy again. We tell ourselves over and over again, I'm not going to be happy again. This represented, my identity was this, and that was where my happiness. So we tell ourselves this lie, I'll never be happy again. The second lie we tell ourselves is, nothing good can come from this. Nothing good can come from this situation. Don't tell me that, oh, later you'll see, it's going to be a great story, it's going to be awesome. No, stop it. We believe this lie. Nothing good can come from this. I don't want to be in that club. I didn't sign up for this. The third lie we tell ourselves is there's no point in continuing. We get to a place, unfortunately, where we just say, I can't grind it out anymore. I'm not going to continue to try to fix my marriage or fix my relationship with my kids or fix my family or fix myself or try to make these things happen. And sometimes, unfortunately, some of us get to a place where we just say, there's just no point in continuing even in life. And if you're a Christian, I want to tell you that uh, the New Testament has something specifically to say about this. And if you're not, I want to tell you that the New Testament has something specifically to say about this. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this happy topic <laughs> in Chasing Daylight. And the question I want to start with today is, the common one which we ask often is, does God know? Does he care? Does he even hear my prayers? A few months ago back, I remember I had just gotten done dealing with a situation where, again, I'm just in this very difficult season where I felt like I was chasing daylight, and I literally got done with a moment and a conversation that was showing me what this picture of my future was going to be in, and it was out of my control. And I pulled over to the side of the road, and I couldn't even see because I was crying so much. I know I don't look like a crier. I'm not, but it happened. 
I couldn't. I couldn't stop because I was yelling at God and I was asking him, is this lament? Is this just showing that I am completely not in control? Because I get it. But God, I need you to do this. Can you hear me? Do you even know? Do you care? I need you, God, right now to remind me why it is that you had me do what you're having me do. Will you remind me why I'm dealing with the situation which I'm dealing with right now because I can't remember? And I remember very specifically at the moment I got really upset because I didn't get an answer. I called upon heaven and said, I need you right now. I need you to just give me something. And I got nada. Nothing. For many of us, that's how we can feel. Many of us, this may be a season of life where God has your undivided attention. Because <laughs> you are literally screaming at him. Maybe for some of you, even to the point where you're like, I don't even know if there is a God. All I know is I'm throwing something up because whoever is in control of this or whoever can help resolve this, uh, I need you to listen. And I'm going to tell you, friends, right now that God can take that. He'll take that. At the epicenter of the emotions around a chasing daylight moment in our life, the question is, where is God? And here's the bottom line. The bottom line is God is not absent. He's not apathetic. And he's not angry. He's not absent. You know, we sit there and go, hey, like, are you, are you even like paying attention? Are you even around? Uh, and, you know, you're not even, like, here. He's not apathetic. He does care about this. We say, he, it's not like he's sitting up there going, hey, do you, do you know I'm managing the entire universe? Do you even see what's going on on the other side of the world or another state? I'll deal with your stuff later. He's not apathetic, and he's not angry. For many of us, this is really one that we have to struggle and deal with. We come to places and be like, did I do something wrong? Is this punishment because you're upset or angry at something that I did? And I want to tell you that the bottom line today is that he's not absent, he's not apathetic, and he's not angry. And there's a bit of hypocrisy in here, and I want to poke at that just a little bit because I want to be fair to all of us. There is a time, a season, a business trip, a weekend, a spring break that you had in your life where you made a decision to make sure that God was not present because you were going to have a sin-tastic time, and it was planned. <laughs> You planned sin. You booked it. You booked the reservation for sin at a week there. You drove to it knowing what you were going to do. You looked it up on the phone. You knew what was going on. You had it in the back of your car as you were driving. You had sin on ice. You had it stuffed up underneath the seat, hoping a police officer didn't pull you over because you had made some plan that you were going to sin. And you did all kinds of theological gymnastics to explain yourself away as to why this was okay. I know that you've been there and done that. The last thing that was going on as you were making this plan was just sitting there going, God, I just need your presence more. I need to feel more of you. That did not happen. You did not go, let me just turn on some worship music and listen to this as I'm going on this trip to Las Vegas because what happens there stays there. You have made that decision. So there's a bit of like hypocrisy in there. And what happens is, even in the midst of this, what's amazing in spite of that, us making our own decisions to do whatever gymnastics that we do to, to tell ourselves, I hope he's not really paying attention, that your heavenly father loves you. And the reason that I know that he is not absent, he is not apathetic, and he's not angry, 
because of this thing a guy named John penned in the Bible. And it's one of the most famous verses you probably know, but it's one of the most, if not the most profound verse ever, which is, for God so loved the world that he gave. So the reason that I know that God is not absent, apathetic, or angry, because he poured out his anger on his son. When he sent his son to die on the cross for you, he settles once and for all whether or not he knows your name, whether or not he cares about you, whether or not he is concerned about your life. And even in those dark times, when you tuned out God to do your thing and pushed him away, and even in those times, when you desperately need God because your soul's in a dark place, friends, God is present. In times of doubt, I want to tell you that what I do and what I have to do, and some of you might go like, oh, yeah, you're like perfect, though. You don't doubt anything. You're like give <laughs> preaching messages or something. Like your job is just to read the Bible all day. I doubt a lot. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's not true. You got to be pegged wrong if that's how you got to be pegged. Um, and one of those reasons is, and I'll be straightforward with you, is that uh, I um, have been called and I get to live with you and community in the mess. I literally can't tell you on one hand how many meetings I've ever been asked to have with someone where they just wanted to celebrate with me. Hey, can we get together? I just want to tell you about some awesome things that happened in my life. Praise Jesus. He's awesome. Look at I got this thing. It's the antithesis. And I sit with people in their mess, in my mess, as we walk through this messy world in this life, as we seek Jesus and doubt him and say, hello. Once again, God, I just sat here and listened to someone just dump themselves out and cut my feet right out from underneath me. So I doubt. And in the midst of my doubt, I have to look ahead and say, okay, um, I can feel better about this if I can find someone else who's done this first. Who else has handled this situation or gone through this situation? And for the next few weeks, we're going to walk through some of those stories. And the good news, like I said, is the New Testament has something to say about this. So if you're in a chasing daylight set of circumstances where the foreseeable future for you is not exactly what you thought it would be, or it's going to get any better, it's only going to get worse. In that moment where you feel like God is silent, absent, Apathetic, I have great news, and that is that you are not alone. You're not alone. And you're not the first one. There's uh, many stories. The story I want to tell you real quick today, just uh, real shortly, is uh, the guy named Lazarus. And uh, it was one of Jesus' good friends. He loved him. In fact, it says uh, in, the, uh, in the book of John, it says John eleven three. Lazarus had become sick, and uh, so his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus. Jesus was in a, a town just around the corner, I mean, like down the block. It's like literally like saying um, somebody sent them because uh, Jesus was hanging out in Fairfield, and somebody was sick here in Benicia. And uh, sisters sent word to him and said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Didn't even have to use his name. He already knew. Lord, the one that you love, that you're close to, that you love is sick, and he knew it. So do you need to come? Help him. Jesus didn't. He was doing work. He had conversation he was having. He was living in the mess with people right where he was. He didn't not care about Lazarus. 
He didn't ignore them. He understood it and finished what was going on right there. Because he knew this bigger plan that was going to take place. And unfortunately, what had happened was, is by the time Jesus made his way from Fairfield to Benicia, or in the short distance to this next community over, Lazarus had died. And in fact, he'd been in the grave for multiple days, and people were mourning. And so they, they talked to him, they came out and met him, and it continues to say, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, this is one of his sisters, she came out and met him. She went out and ran to him and said, what the heck, where were you? When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her, this is the people who were mourning with them, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he says, where have you laid him? So he's just showing up. They're saying, why didn't you come here? If you just would have come, you could have helped him. He was sick. This didn't need to happen. And then it continues to go on. He says in the next verse, it says, come and see, Lord. They reply this way. And I want you to see this. You've heard it. But I want you to really understand this. It says, Jesus wept. He sat there and watched people in this chasing daylight moment, in this dark season of the soul, and said, Jesus, where were you if you would have just come? And he lived with them in that space. And he wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? How Jesus loved him? How Jesus loves you? Friends, don't interpret God's silence as absence. So often we do. He's quiet, just not even there. And that usually leads us to confusing God's apparent absence for apathy. So don't confuse his apparent absence for apathy. There's many stories that we're going to continue to dig in through over the next few weeks as we get into this subject on what are some tools, God, that you can give us and people who have dealt with it before us and lived in this life of Jesus who loves you and wants to live in the mess with you to help us live in the mess with others. Or for some of us, in this very moment as we chase daylight. So we feel like when we tell ourselves these lies, we feel like a couple different things. We feel like, one, I'll never be happy again. God, where is this joy you talk about when you follow Jesus? Nothing good can come from this. I have no hope. I literally feel hopeless. And there's no point in continuing. God, is there really a purpose? And I tell you, friends, that there is joy. There is hope. And there is purpose in the midst of chasing daylight moments. Whether that's you sitting right here today. Or you sitting right here today knowing someone by name. Or preparing to know someone by name. That's in the midst of these moments. So I'm going to flip these lies around real quick just as we begin to finish up. We're going to say these together probably every week. This first one is, I can be happy again. Something good can come from this. And there's a purpose to this pain. That's the truth we need to begin to speak over you. And we need to say it out loud. And we're going to say it out loud with your mouth, like vocally, not just in your head. (laughs) Together, we're going to practice this. So you ready with me? I can be happy again. Some of you just needed to hear yourself say that out loud. Dead serious. You just need to hear yourself say, I can be happy again. 
Some of you need to practice just now because you need to say that to somebody else this week. And tell them, no, 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 listen to me. I've said it. I said it with my own mouth. You can be happy again. So we're going to say that one again because we like being happy. You ready? I can be happy again. I believe that with all my heart, friends. Something, you ready? Something good can come from this. In the midst of these chasing daylight moments. And friends, friends, believe me. Chasing with you, let's say together, there is a purpose to this pain. Believe it. I asked the band to come up because we're going to do something special we don't normally do. I asked them to come up and sing a song over you. This, uh, this song is called, I Need a Reason to Sing. I believe that you know someone that's in the midst of a chasing daylight moment or you maybe have been just like me where you're in the midst of a chasing daylight moment and you're sitting there saying God, somebody, anything I need a reason to sing I don't have anything to sing about right now I need joy, I need hope I need purpose because literally my whole world feels like it's in crumbles. And for some of you in this, this room today, you know someone or you are someone that just needs to know that someone has your world in their hand. God has your world in his hand. So would you just quietly just live in this space and let God and the worship team just to sing this song over you as you connect with it.
friends, I'm going to ask you right now to just bow your heads and just, um, just live in this moment for just a minute. Maybe you're here today and uh, maybe you're in a chasing daylight season yourself. And right now you literally just need to spend this moment with the Lord saying, I need to know that you have my whole world in your hands. Would you just give me a reason to sing? Maybe right now in this moment as your heads bow that you already know a person by name that you need to come alongside of and truly live with and empathy. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So maybe right now you just need to lift them up in prayer by name. right now just want to lift up our world, our country. The reason why we have all these empty chairs for people who need hope. And Jesus really is the only answer. And lastly, maybe you're here today and you have never your life, giving your life over to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to Jesus Christ. And today, maybe for the first time, you may need to make that decision to follow Him, to give your world over to Him, that He may have it in His hands. And for you, maybe experiencing for the first time in your life, real true joy, hope, and purpose. Even in the midst of chasing daylight moments as this world continues to fall apart on you. So if you're here this afternoon and you've never given your life over to Jesus in eternity, a moment's now. And I would love to be a part of it. And I'm going to ask you that. If that's you, you need to make a first-time decision for Jesus. Would you raise your hand look at me and allow me to recognize you and pray over you? you just surrender yourself to him? Yes, I got you right here. Awesome. Yeah. So God, we thank you that we can just come in our mess in this world and be reminded you're not absent. You're not apathetic and you're not angry. But God, you can give us a reason to sing because you have the whole world in your hands. We love you and you take your name and pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You may